Hi, I'm Bruce Weinstein. And I'm Mark Scarborough. And on today's episode of the podcast, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, we are making a sheet cake. We are so into the sheet cake. If you saw Yay. us last week on QVC with our new book, All Kind Favorite Sheet Cakes and Slab Pies, you will know just how much into sheet cakes we are. We were on QVC and got two happy dances out of Dave Venable. Two, count them, two happy dances. I, I, it was really nice to be, you know, people who've seen that episode on QVC claim that they see that David likes us, which kind of, I like David. I like David too. He's a really nice guy. It kind of surprises me that that reads through. Yeah, um, well, I guess it, it shouldn't surprise us because we know that Dave's a really nice guy. So it does come through. So we didn't make this cake on the air. And in fact, this cake is not even in the book. Right. This is an exclusive recipe just to our podcast and our website. And this is kind of in celebration of sheet cakes. And this is getting ready for the fall and the holidays. Now, again, sheet cakes are giant. As I said on QVC, they are landscapes of cake. They are either for a crowd of 48 or for you alone after a break. Uh, no, oh, come on. They're for you and two teenagers. But the, the, the they are made in 13 by 18 inch half hotel sheet pans. That's right. And if you don't have that, this recipe will make, you can make this in two 9x13s. Because two 9x13s are the equivalent of one gigantic... Uh, what is that? 18 by 13. But remember that we're talking a little bit of batter. This is really going to make about what? A two inch high, inch and a half Not even cake. because the a 9 by 13 pan is two inches high and a sheet right. pan, a half hotel sheet pan is only about a half inch, inch. to three quarter inches, maybe even an inch right. high. So your cake is going to be the same height it will be as if you made it in a sheet pan, even if you do not. Right. So anyway, this is a gingerbread sheet cake, and it's got a hard sauce buttercream. Oh, catch that. But that'll get to that later. So we've got this mixer going. What's in the mixer? In the mixer, we got sugar and molasses, because you can't make gingerbread without molasses. If you're following along at home, that's one and a half cups of molasses and a half a cup of granulated white sugar. You don't have to copy these down. It's on our website, Bruce and Mark. But there it is. And I should also say that we're using unsulfured molasses. It's the only molasses. kind to use. It is. If, if the canes are green and underripe, they use sulfur to get crud out mm, of them. Sulfur. Yeah. Like so, hard-boiled egg molasses. They, <laughs> nice. It is. But we're using... So we're just going to beat that until it's really smooth, and then we're going to start adding our eggs. Four eggs, and we're going to add them one at a time. And you always should add eggs one at a time when you're baking. Make sure it's fully incorporated. It will make the batter smoother and more even if you let each egg go into the batter before you add the next one. You know, at 57 years old, I'm no longer smooth nor even. So um, (laughs) I guess my batter can be better than I am since I'm not smooth and even. And then we're going to beat in vegetable oil. That's right. This is not a butter cake. No. It's not a fancy schmancy walnut oil cake. No. We're using good old fashioned canola oil. And the reason we're doing that is to not get anything in the way, you're going to hear it later, of all the mini spices that are going to this gingerbread Mm, sheet cake. I know. all And the the molasses skin is make it that dark, dark brown color. Yeah. And so we really don't want anything to get in the way of that. And and Bruce and I are not fans of neutral flavored oils like vegetable oil and canola oil and those kind of things. We always say, what is the point? You should add flavor, not just fat. However, there are instances where, where you need fat and you don't want to add extra That's fat. right. And so corn, vegetable, canola, all those really neutral right. flavored oils will work your okay. half a cup. And now we're going to add a tablespoon of vanilla. And I hear you, that's a lot of vanilla. That's and vanilla lot. is so expensive Super these days. Super expensive. That's like $2 worth of vanilla. It is IRA deflating. It is so absurd. But we're still putting a tablespoon of vanilla in. 
And now I'm going to turn off the mixer because we get to the famous part of baking where you add the dry ingredients and the wet ingredients. Okay, but I want to stop. Why is vanilla so expensive? There has been a problem See, with vanilla I know you beans. know this. I know this because he's been searching days on endless days on the internet for on the internets for inexpensive vanilla. There so, was a crop there was a crop issue and they couldn't produce enough vanilla beans. And so the price. Who is, is this they that you speak of? Well, it's, Madagascar. It's Ites? Madagascar. Yes, right, the okay. Madagascar. Island Wait, now, what are they? Are they Madagascarians? Uh, um, Madagascarites. I'm going to go with Madagascarians. Oh, go ahead. Nice. Okay, you're an anti-Madagascarianite. I am. And so they okay. had. They were not producing enough beans and so the price has gone through the roof but you know what'll happen they'll come back down because now everybody's rushing to plant thousands and thousands more plants to make up and then there'll be a glut so in another year or two the price will go orchids down. they're yeah. ma- they're going to plant thousands and thousands of those orchids or whatever mm-hmm. they are that make vanilla beans so um okay so but it is expensive are there, are there inexpensive places to get it not really i mean you look online even look on amazon but basically you can find I'm not a big fan of vanillin, the artificial vanilla no, flavor, no. but there are a lot of companies that make the blends of vanillin and vanilla. Is that good? Mm, it's cheaper. And okay, sometimes well, cheaper. What if I just want to buy the real schmeal? Well, you can always get the store brands. That's perfect. But that's acceptable. super expensive. Well, if it's the store brand, but you know, your stop and shop, you get the stop and shop brand. Oh, I see. That what you mean. Stop, you know. And is there a way to buy it in bulk, in large quantities? Well, I tend to buy by the half gallon. Wow. And the half wow. gallon's gonna used to set us back about thirty dollars. Now it sets us back about a hundred and seventy dollars. Oh, wait a minute! What that half gallon? We better get advertisers of, for this podcast. <laughs> Look at the vanilla people. Though. What? Wait, what? A hundred and seventy for a half, half gallon? Mm-hmm. That's why I yell at you when you pour it out. A hundred and seventy dollars? It doesn't even take me to bed and give me a nice dinner and a hundred and seventy. It gives you a good tasting cake. Yeah, no, well, whatever. A hundred and seventy dollars, and I don't get to get naked. Wow, you get naked while you bake. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyway, so. <laughs> Okay, that was a, that was a long digression about as this batter just sits here about vanilla, but you can buy in larger quantities, and even if it's one hundred and seventy dollars for a half gallon, good God! If you'd bought the same amount in two ounce bottles, it would have cost you four hundred, so you right. are saving money. That, gosh. Okay, <laughs> so now comes this part now about beating it. So we have dry ingredients, and in the dry ingredient bowl we have, and remember, you don't have to write this down because it is on our website, bruceandmark.com. Yeah, yeah, go on. In go this on. bowl, we have two cups of all-purpose flour and two cups of cake flour. And we've got two tablespoons of ground dried ginger. We have two teaspoons of baking soda, a teaspoon of cinnamon, a half a teaspoon of ground allspice, a half a teaspoon of salt, and a quarter teaspoon of grated nutmeg. Now that's the classic right there is almost the classic gingerbread uh, bit. The dry the dry ginger, the cinnamon, the nutmeg. But we always add a little allspice, which is I love some. Allspice. I know it's a it's a kind of Frenchified addition to good old sturdy English gingerbread. But it it adds a little bit of a what? It adds a little bit of a. I don't want to say it's an odd a flavor. Jamaican flavor. Yeah, it mm. adds not Caribbean. That's not even it. It somehow it mellows the cinnamon and the ginger a bit sure. in the balance. So that allspice to me is really key. So now, in typical recipe fashion, the recipe would say add a third of the flour, then a third of the milk, and we're going to be putting half a cup of milk of whole milk or low fat. 
and then another third, and then you go back and forth. But you know what? In testing all these recipes for the sheet cake book, I discovered something. If you turn off your mixer like we did, and we dump all this dry ingredients, all and of it in at once. Let me say it up front. Remember, 13 by 18 inch pan. Think about what we've been doing here. Think about four cups of flour and four eggs. You need a big bowl. You can't make this in the tiny little mixing bowl <laughs> on your counter that you use to like beat one egg for scrambled egg. No. This is a big bowl, even if you're using a handheld mixer. So, so we put all that in, and now I'm going to put the mixer on low, and while it's on very low, I'm going to pour in that half a cup of milk waltz mixture. In a slow drizzle. In a very slow drizzle, and it will incorporate with the flour mixture rather than having to alternate back and forth. Now look at this. It's all coming together beautifully. It is looking smooth. Now I don't want to overbeat it just until this is a nice smooth batter. And then I'm going to turn it off. Okay, so get that, kids. You put all the dry ingredients, which you mix together on top of the wet ingredients, you turn on very low, and you drizzle the milk on top of it, and it all works out just the same. We are now going to pour and scrape and spread this into our prepared baking sheet. And how did we prepare we this? We oiled it. Sheet? It's we just oiled. And we're going to put this in the oven at a lower than normal temperature. We're baking it at three and a quarter. We're not baking it at 350. It's 325 degrees, and it's going to go for about 20 to 23 minutes. And we're going to do it until a toothpick comes out clean in the middle, which means the cake is set beautifully. And then we'll let it cool and talk to you about how okay, we're going to frost it. But before we go, right just before we jump away, I want to talk about baking times just for a moment. Please. Yeah, because it's really important. We say 20 to 23 minutes, and that's a range. And it's a range because various things have happened here. Our eggs may be at a different temperature than yours. That's really crucial. Ours have been out on the counter for about 20 minutes, but yours may have just come out of the out of the refrigerator, which they shouldn't, but they may have. Um, other things may be different here, moisture content, et cetera. So baking times are in a guideline in a set of sets and my rule always if i could run the world what i would tell you to do well a lot of things <laughs> but one of the things well so get naked if you're paying 175 dollars for vanilla <laughs> yeah well apparently i'm going to say that but also i'm going to tell you that in baking let's say that we say that's 20 to 23 minutes my rule is you always set your baking time 10 to 20 percent less than I say. So if I'm telling you 20 minutes here, I would set my timer for about 17 minutes and then check it at the 17 minute mark. You should always, if a, if a recipe says cook, bake the cake for 30 minutes, set your timer for 25 minutes and check it. That's a great idea because that way you won't over bake it. Right. But there is something else. And then one of the key reasons that I think timings also change is temperature in the oven and not yeah. that your thermostat might be off it's that every time you open that oven including opening it to put the cake in the temperature drops drastically that's right so a 325 degree oven might actually drop to 250 and it's going to take it two or three minutes to go back up so another trick that i like to do is when i'm baking i tend to set my oven 25 to 50 degrees hotter depending upon how many trays I have. If I put in, if I'm putting three trays of cookies, I'll set it 50 degrees hotter. If I'm putting okay. in one cake, I put 25 degrees hotter. Then as soon as I open it, put the tray in and close it, the temperature's dropped a bit, probably down to where I need it, and then I reset the temperature to where I need it. And let me say one more thing before we jump away. One more thing is that in baking this cake again, and I took this cake to a bunch of book groups, we discovered that it did not work well on convection. It's better on 325 yeah, straight. Yeah, it gets a little bit too much of a crust on top of it before it gets set inside. So in this case, usually convection is fabulous for baking, but in this case, just use a 325 
plain old good old oven without any fancy folderol. Wait, what's my word that I always use? Farrago? No, you can't say that here, can you? Fancy Farrago? No, that's no. not right. Fancy Virago? That sounds like that, that sounds like some really well anyway, never mind. So <laughs> you want to set the the for three twenty five. It's a to do. It is a to do. And then as Bruce says, put it up to three fifty, drop it to three twenty five when you put it in and set your timer for seventeen minutes. Which we're almost there at this point. Right, knowing <laughs> that it's gonna be twenty to twenty minutes. Let's get out of here and come back and frost this cake. So I am spreading this luscious, gorgeous white frosting on top of this cake. More uses for an offset spatula. Yep. And this way I could spread it beautifully. So Mark made the frosting and he will tell you what he put well, in it. Well, what this is, is this kind of crazy frosting on this on this gingerbread. What this is, is hard sauce turned into a buttercream. So mm. hard sauce is a whiskey sauce, booze. booze sauce. Now, listen, it's not much. I'll tell you about this in a minute. It's a booze sauce often served with steamed puddings and British desserts, steamed British desserts. And all those spotted dick things and all that stuff. I don't anyway, think that's a dessert. It, is, <laughs> it most certainly is a dessert from our friends across the I pond. I think it has a medical diagnosis code. <laughs> anyway, yes, uh, children, there are children listening. So uh, this is a hard sauce buttercream. But what we've done is we've taken that and turned that, so it turned it into an, a frosting. So what we started with is two sticks of butter, which have been softened to room temperature. Really that's, important point. Do not take it out of the refrigerator and think you are going to be able to mix that smoothly into a buttercream right and then we added two we beat that with two cups of confectioner's sugar beat 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 until it was smooth which honestly took about as long as my saying all those beats because the butter was super soft and then we added a quarter cup of whiskey now listen if you're not, if you can't have Here whiskey, no, no, this is true. If you can't have alcohol, then, you know, there are there are probably other icings you can find on the intertubes for this. <laughs> you could also use less, not as much, less coffee, like two tablespoons of coffee mm -hmm. in this to make a coffee-ish butter. Now, if you can't have alcohol, you also have to be careful about vanilla. Because almost sure. all real vanilla is in an alcohol base. So you might be wanting to look at those vanilla substitutes. You might. So again, two tablespoons of coffee, really strongly brewed coffee, or in this case for us, a quarter cup of whiskey. And we beat that with three tablespoons of milk and a little more vanilla, about a teaspoon of vanilla and a little salt, a quarter teaspoon of salt. And we beat that. Once that got all beat in there, then we started adding more confectioner sugar in quarter cup increments. You're going to add about two more cups, give or take. Some days you may add uh, one and a half more cups. Some days you actually may add two and a half more cups. It all is about the ambient humidity trapped in the confectioner sugar. So the big question is, how do I know, of course, when I've added enough? Well, yep. Because you want a nice, this is, well, you want a nice thick batter. And this is where you no. get to decide. You want a nice thick icing. Right. You want a nice <laughs> thick icing. And you get to decide what's thick. Um, you know, if you made it as thick as like that canned frosting that comes with a spoon mm. attached to the lid. Mm -mm. Because that's not meant to put on a cake. That's mm -mm. meant to eat mm -mm. with that spoon mm -mm. that's, mm -mm. that's too thick. Walking home from the subway <laughs> with a can of frosting and a spoon. Yum. <laughs> now that's a day right there. <laughs> so you want it to be spreadable, but it should hold its shape. And you have to use your common sense here. You do. And so I have spread this. And this is fantastic. Now, I want to say, again, it's a quarter cup of whiskey. It's not a lot. I cut this cake up and I took it to a book group. Buyer. I cut a few and I cut it into 48 pieces, which gave us a total before Mark tells what happened. Each piece had about a third of a teaspoon 
of whiskey. I did. A third of a teaspoon. In the icing in each piece, it had about a third of a teaspoon. And I did hear people around the room saying, oh, I'm getting lightheaded. (laughs) And, oh, I'm getting woozy. Okay. That was their age. It wasn't the outro. (laughs) Maybe it was because we were discussing Thomas Hardy. Maybe Hardy did it to them. So So, I'm just digging (laughs) in and tasting a bite of this cake. Yeah. I I, am who. I've got... Oh, I'm getting lightheaded. <laughs> maybe and I love it because they're saying it while they're chewing it. It's still even in their mouth. Right. Maybe I'll have to get naked now. That is so not lightheaded. <laughs> naked for the vanilla. I, honestly. <laughs> right. It, also, mm. don't forget that you have to swallow it and then metastasize it. No, wait. <laughs> not metastasize it. Oh, I'm really sorry. You have to metabolize it. Oh, the writer can't come up with the right word. Oh, my no, God. No, you're not metastasizing your whiskey. Oh, my God. That's horrible. I'm really sorry. Um, I write better than that. I promise. Um, Anyway, you have to metabolize it or something. And then, anyway, uh, I don't know. This is, I'm getting out of this. I'm going back to eating cake. Mm. Let's talk about the cake. What does it taste like? It tastes like gingerbread but not crunchy it's cake form yeah i just love the cinnamon i love all of that uh, molasses mm. which is a great taste but i also love rum so it's I super spicy like speaking of rum if you like rum better than whiskey you could put rum in this well and there's a hard sauce but yeah. you could you could and you know what hey when you do this the flavor of the whiskey is pronounced in this buttercream it's despite not, the fact you're having a third of a teaspoon right it means not it doesn't taste like you know a manhattan but it it <laughs> It is. It does have a flavor, yeah. which means, in my opinion, don't use the $50 a bottle stuff, but also don't <laughs> use the $2 a bottle whiskey that's available, right? Or $4. You want to use you a know what you could do? decent, like, doers, a blended scotch. If you don't keep booze in the house, you yep. can go to the liquor store, and they all sell those little airline bottles. Oh, great. You can feel like a wino. And you could go in and buy uh, two of those. Oh, they'll, they won't look at you strange <laughs> at all. Well, you're not going to be the kind of person who's drinking them on the way out. No. Well, I might be. <laughs> then by three. It, it's on if I've gotten naked over vanilla. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but that's a good way to get a high, nice, high end and just get like one ounce or two ounces. Right. Yes. It, you know. Well, so that was a lot of talk for a sheet cake about nakedness. But mm, it delicious. was really delicious. And yeah. it, it. You need ha- to make this for the holidays. You do. Make this thing for the holidays. Make it before the holidays and practice and eat the whole thing. And This then, would be good for Halloween. Well, it could be. I mean, you can't give this out to kids. This is for like an adult party. You can't sure. You can't hand this out at the door. I don't think most kids would even like the flavor of all the spices. No, and furthermore, nobody's going to let their kid eat your creepy cake. Oh, no, I'm cake. not talking about giving it out. I'm talking about your Halloween party. Oh, yes. Come here, little girl. Eat the cake <laughs> from me. Oh, my God. No, they don't. Wait, are you naked or not naked at that moment? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. Okay, that went way too far. <laughs> That metastasized into something horrible. Um, Good use of the word there. <laughs> yes, it did. So anyway, let's get out. Let's just say that these episodes of the podcast, we cook through recipes once a week. We're not always this insane. Sometimes we're better at Sometimes it Sometimes we're this. worse. Yeah, I don't know what happened to us today. Maybe so it was the QVC are, effect. <laughs> so those are Fridays. We do recipes. And earlier in the week on Tuesdays, we put up episodes about common cooking mistakes and how to avoid them. And either way, you won't miss an episode if you subscribe. And no matter where you get them from, if you get your 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 episodes on iTunes or Stitcher or iHeartRadio, tell your friends about us and share the love from here at Cooking with Bruce and Mark.